We've been on a journey this year, and uh, we've been discovering who the Holy Spirit is and, and how He impacts our lives. Last week, we were blessed with uh, Jerry Porter. He was with us, and he gave us an excellent idea, some good instruction on how to be sanctified, how to be filled with the righteousness of Holy Spirit. Now, I went back and forth quite a bit. Usually, traditionally, in fact, most of my ministry on Palm Sunday, I've preached a message about Palm Sunday. As I was preparing for this week, I just did a lot of, a lot of soul searching, a lot of praying, and God is just on me about Holy Spirit. We started this year with Him, talking about Him, who He is, and we're going to continue that today. Now, remember, Jesus, and this fits nicely with Jesus, with His ministry, with who He is. He was the first Spirit-sourced human. People, and we talked about this last week, Dr. Jerry Porter said this, people throughout history until Jesus were filled with the Spirit for particular times to do particular things. Jesus was sourced by the Spirit so that he, he was filled with the Spirit his entire life to show us what it looked like to be filled with the Spirit, or d during his entire ministry, I should say. So um, I believe that this ties nicely in with who Jesus is, with Palm Sunday, with the Holy Spirit. So today I want to focus on righteousness. When, when I say righteous, I don't know if you're like me. It, I, I thought of, and uh, our California friends might appreciate this, but um, a... a a surfer talking about a righteous wave or something. I don't know if that, uh, if that harkens to our uh, youth pastor and his wife, but um, a, a surfer talking about a righteous wave. I don't know if that's what you have in mind, but listen, the Bible does not mean that when, he, when it uses the word righteous. I think the word righteous gets lost in all of the jargon we use as a church, in all of the Christian speak that we use, uh, the, the word righteous gets lost. So I'd like to address today what righteousness is. Righteousness is the holiness of Christ made possible by the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is the, is the perfect holiness of Christ made possible by the Holy Spirit. It's an essential attribute of the character of God. It literally means, the word means, one who is right. So we want to talk about the essentially the opposite of sin is righteous. Sometimes we get caught up into thinking that righteousness is modifying our behavior. We are acting in a righteous way. We did something right, so we, we're righteous. That's not the case. Righteousness is not behavior modification. It is heart transformation. That's what Jesus taught. He called it the circumcision of the heart. You remember that? And something else we've talked about, all of the teachers of the time, they focused on the things that were visible that they would call righteous, like circumcision and dietary law and Sabbath keeping. Jesus said it's not those things. It's a circumcision of the heart. This is something you can't see that can't be judged. Outward appearance holiness or righteousness is really of no consequence to God. He just doesn't care about that. According to Romans 3, we are all born in bondage to sin. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says that our attempts at righteousness are like filthy rags. Filthy rags that all shriveled up like a leaf and the wind of our sins sweeps it away. So when we try our best 
it's like a filthy rag. Jesus said people that attempt righteousness and they, have a, they look like righteous, he, he says they are like whitewashed tombs. Basically, on the outside you look all nice and pretty, but on the inside it's just death. So where does righteousness come from for us? The, the Bible clearly speaks in 2 Timothy 2.22 that um, we are to pursue righteousness, but also that we are unable to produce it. Leaves us in a dilemma. We're to pursue it, but we can't produce it. So what can we do to attain righteousness? How does that happen for us? Scripture teaches us that we attain righteousness by the Spirit of Christ, by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Remember, we are under the new covenant, the tabernacle ourselves. So we try, we can't do it. It's like filthy rags, but we're told that we need to pursue it, but we can't produce it. So how do we get it? Only by the Spirit of Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, because we are the tabernacle. I feel like we could probably just stop right there. Um, when I'm going to walk away. I know that drives the camera, guys. Sorry, Craig, about that. When I was a kid, uh, I went to Carlsbad Caverns. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Carlsbad Caverns. Anybody? Um, I can't see your hands, but, you know, raise your hand. Remember, we're pretending like we're all together. I went to Carlsbad Caverns. Carlsbad Caverns was awesome, man. And um, I don't know. I, I might be one of the only ones that was ever kicked out of Carlsbad Caverns. I can tell that story later. But um, all I can say about that is that uh, a 10-year-old boy has a very difficult time not touching things. And they don't want you touching things inside Carlsbad Caverns. But, so there's one particular time in the Carlsbad Caverns, one of the wonders of the world. It's an awesome place. Um, somebody decided that we should go for a hike, and this was a guided hike, like a tour, of a different um, cave, a cavern that they had that was offside. It, um, the main cavern that everybody visits, is um, the, it's lit and it's got a path that you walk down and it's, really, it's awesome, it's a splendor. But uh, in this particular place, it's raw. There's, there's nothing. There were no lights. There was no electricity. There was no path to walk. You had to go on a hike, a trail, and then go into this place untouched by anything except for like bats and critters. So uh, we went into this, this place, and um, I can remember, and I was somewhere around 10, 9 or 10 years old, and uh, the guide says, okay, we're going to turn the lights off, but I need to prepare everybody. Because very few people actually ever experience in their life complete darkness. Um, even in the dark, there's some kind of light somewhere. The stars give light. The, a firefly could give light. Like there's, there's light coming from somewhere usually. Um, but when we turn the lights off here, because of where we're at and how deep we are in the earth, there will literally be no light. And so they had their flashlights and everything. And uh, everybody, okay, that's fine. So then uh, the... the uh, I almost said the guards. They weren't guards. They were the, the guides. The guides turned the lights off, and I'm telling you what, it was the darkest I have ever experienced. It was literal complete darkness. I put my hand right in front of my face, and I couldn't see it. Like, I could feel it, but I couldn't see it. Complete darkness. And very few people experience that. And I have to tell you that it's unsettling to be that dark. It's unnerving. It's, um, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. And it was only the one time that I did experience it. You know, we live in a world where streetlights uh, light up the, the, the night. And when the power goes out, we even have um, 
flashlights, and that's something in my house. I don't know, my kids, for some reason, they love flashlights. And every time that um, they have a chance, they have a flashlight and they're in their room and they're playing with it and they're carrying it around. And like I have flashlights strategically placed in a few drawers, but that's another story, I guess, for a different time. They're always taking my flashlights. But if it ever lights go out, we have a flashlight. We have flashlights to light our way. Um, if you go out in the night sky, especially in a city place, you almost can't see the stars because of all of the, the light. Have you ever been in a place where, in the country where there were no lights and you could look up and you could just see every star? It's magnificent. So it's hard for us to imagine what it must have been like two or 300 years ago, much less 2,000 years ago. When the lights would go out, how dark it would be. The Bible talks a lot about light because for them, they understood light differently. It wasn't everywhere. It wasn't as, as available like it is. When it was dark, it was dark unless you had a fire. And then if you didn't have means to make a fire, it was just dark. How the light drives away the darkness. And um, in, in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, we read that creation began with darkness. You remember that. It was, it was dark. It was without form. It was void, it tells us. But God's word brought light into the darkness. John's gospel teaches us that, um, this, well, this is what he said. Sorry, I had to read this here. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shone in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Of course, John was using a metaphor to describe sin and salvation. And in our text this morning, um, we see that light is also being used to describe a change that takes place in our lives, changing us from darkness to light. So we're going to read today out of Ephesians chapter 5. And don't worry, I know I've, we've done a lot of talking so far, and I'm just now getting to the Scripture. That was all the introduction, to be honest. But uh, it's going to be okay because uh, we're about halfway through. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right, notice how Paul starts off, if you will. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Okay, so go back to Ephesians 2.1. Paul said we are dead in our sins. And then if you go to 4.17, he said that our thinking is futile. Our understanding was darkened. In context, Paul isn't just saying that we are in darkness. He is saying that we are darkness. That's pretty heavy. It speaks against what so many people try to do. They try to walk a little in darkness, a little in light. Can, can I walk a little in both? Some people don't like to hear that. Honestly, because it's okay if we say that we're sick. Or it's okay if we say that we're weak. Or even that we're off target. Because... All of those things have a, a solution. If, if we're sick, then it's possible we can get well. Or if we're weak, then it's possible we might be able to get strength. If we're off target, then it's possible we might correct our aim. But if we tell people that 
they are dead in their transgressions, it just makes us uncomfortable because there's no correcting that. Listen, the reason people sin is because without Jesus, that's all they can do. We can do nothing without Jesus. And this makes God's grace all the more real for us. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's grace is wooing us to Him, drawing us. The Bible teaches that our starting point is a lot more desperate than we could ever imagine. Because we were darkness. We were the embodiment of it. We were dead. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We like to give ourselves a little more benefit than that. It's a fatal mistake if we tell ourselves that without Jesus, we're really okay. Because that's not the truth. First, if, if we're really not all that bad, then maybe just a little adjustment here or a little adjustment there, we tell our, ourselves that, okay, now we're good enough. We can never be good enough. Remember, our righteousness is like filthy rags. And if we really aren't all that bad, then we downplay God's grace because if we can make an adjustment here and an adjustment there and, and make ourselves better, then we don't have to look to Jesus for everything. And I don't want to downplay God's grace. In fact, I love God's grace. I want to do things to uh, increase His grace in my life. You see, Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And it's only in the Lord. He doesn't say, now you are light and good. Go like He says, you are light in the Lord. He tells us our past condition so that we can see our present condition more clearly. <coughs> Notice something else here. It's not like a gradual transformation. It's not like we started out in this one place and then we take a step and take a step and take a step and now we're light. He says you were and now we are. In other words, the light switch is either on or it's off. Either you are in Christ or you're not. There is no walking the middle line. We are or we aren't. Moving from darkness to light is not about trying our best. And I, I need to tell you that at our church, we don't believe that you need to try to get right with Jesus, then come here. We believe that God takes you exactly how you are and He's the one who makes the transformation in us. He's the one that helps you take that step from, from uh, death to life, from darkness to light, from off to to on. He's the one who does that for us. So please don't think that we've got to do our best to try to get right with God and then, because I've heard people, tell, people have told me that. That's not the way we believe. That's not what Jesus teaches. You are light because you are in the Lord, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Or you are darkness because you are still in your sins. It's pretty cut and dry. In verse 8, he says, because you are now light in the Lord, walk as children of the light. All right, so we've, we've learned to take the step, right? Off to on, darkness to light. Take that step, but only in the Lord. So now that we have received that light of righteousness, Paul says, now walk as children of the light. Oh, that sounds a little harder 
than just off to on, right? So how do we do that? It's the fruit of the light. <laughs> the fruit. Now, I've seen some pretty fruity Christians, or at least people, claim to be Christians. I just have to laugh myself because I don't know if you're laughing there with me. <laughs> That's not what Paul's talking about here, okay? He's not talking about fruity people claiming to be Christians. Paul mentions goodness, specifically righteousness and truth. All right, let's work through those. Goodness is the same term that Paul says in Galatians 5.22. He lists the fruits of the Spirit. You guys know that probably. Um, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Goodness, the same word. And what goodness describes is a type of generosity. It's, it's a willingness to, to help others, even if you have to get your hands dirty. It's a selflessness that's evident to other people. That's, that's what this word goodness means. That's what he's referring to. All right, so three things he says. Um, goodness, he mentions righteousness and truth. The word righteousness, and that's, that's really the, the meat of what we're talking about today. The word righteousness here has to do with integrity. Righteousness, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when he comes to live in you, you are imputed righteousness as a believer. And that has to do with um, living in an upright, moral, decent way. That's what that means. A way that's obvious to everyone. You understand, when we are imputed with righteousness because the Holy Spirit is living in us, then what people see is the goodness that He's called us to. And what we often uh, try to do is we try to live the way of righteousness without allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us. But our attempts at righteousness, Jesus says, there's like a whitewashed tomb. You look good, but you smell bad. It doesn't mean you won't slip up now and then. It means you're not going to call evil good. Or that you're not going to call good evil. It, it means you're an upright, a moral, a, a decent person. It means that your yes is yes and your no is no. It means that you are a person who stands up for truth and justice. It means that you are living right. Righteous. And truth is the next thing that Paul mentions. Um, this means that we are people who tell the truth in love. Don't confuse this with gossiping the truth in love, right? It's different. We tell the truth in love. We're not trying to offend. We're trying to love people. And that's, and that's where the light comes in because the light of Christ shines. It transforms everything. It drives out darkness. It exposes the darkness, in fact. And that's what he says. It's not only obvious in the way we live our lives, it also transforms our minds. You see, our minds get transformed and our lives, we live differently. We have sort of an inherent knowledge of what it means to, to please God. The Holy Spirit helps us. In verse 10, he says, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. In, ver in Romans 12, 22, it goes along with that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So this light that transforms us is the light that proves us or tests us. It changes us. It exposes the flaws and and the weak points. It lets us know where we're making mistakes, where we're wrong. It draws us into him. And it's that light that guides and directs us. It's that light that is at work making us righteous. And it's the light that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So how is it that we renew our minds? How do we find out what is acceptable? How how does God use this light for his proving grounds? Well, it's his word. It was God's word that brought light in the beginning. Remember, out of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It, it, It goes into talking about in the beginning was the word that called the light out of the darkness when it was darkness hovering over the earth. It was God's word made flesh, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And it's God's word which continues to test us and to prove us today. Not only his written word, but his living spoken word to our hearts. All right, let's hurry up. We got to get... Get through this. The, the last, this is the last point. The light drives the darkness away. It's the light that drives the darkness away. I've counseled with people and talked with people in the church and out of the church, and I always tell them the most important thing they can do is get away from whatever the darkness is that's pulling them into sin. It's the best thing. I grew up, and I heard all the time, my dad said, if you play around in, toil- in a toilet, you know what you're going to smell like. <laughs> it's just when you, when you are messing around with the sin and the darkness and the things that are no good for you, it's going to rub off on you. Get away from those things. We all know people that seem to just can't shake it. They want to change. But that lifestyle seemed fun, and it is fun for a time. Paul says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We're allowed to do everything, but it's not all good for us. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it's death. So let's talk about fruitful versus fruitless. How do we know if something is fruitful or fruitless? In verse 9, it says the test is this. Is it good righteous, and true. That's how we determine what's fruitful and what's fruitless. Is it good, righteous, and true? Paul says we're not to have fellowship with the unfaithful works of darkness, but we are to expose them. And and let me clarify, that doesn't mean that we set out to condemn every sinner who seems worse than we are. What Paul's saying here is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light. This light is supposed to shine before all men so that they might see our good works and then glorify our Father in heaven. It doesn't mean point out and say, oh, you're sinning. Oh, that's bad. Oh, the light in us exposes what's around us. And it causes people to either want to change or want to recede back to the darkness. And that's the way we're supposed to live. We're going to conclude here in a minute and the band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song 
here in a moment, but I want to ask you this question. How is it that we can change our world? And I want to let you know that we will not be able to change our culture by voting for Christian politicians, by giving enormous sums of money to Christian groups who pledge to fight against uh, whatever ACLU or whoever the new one is. We will change our culture by letting the light shine. We're not going to change our culture by diving into a global fight, but I can change the culture by diving into my community. I may not be able to affect the macro, but I can affect the micro. I can win my neighbor. I can tell them about Jesus. We change the culture by letting our light shine. We change the culture by fulfilling the Great Commission. We change the culture by telling others and loving them, our community. We change our culture by letting them see who Jesus is in us, by letting them see what a spirit-filled, spirit-sourced life looks like. I think Christians, sometimes we buy into this idea that we have to fight the world on the world's terms. This is not what the Bible teaches. The disciples turned their world upside down by preaching the gospel of Jesus, not by legislation and litigation. We change the world by giving it a wake-up call. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's a call to reflect the gospel. If Christ's work of regeneration has transformed your life, then there should be a change in the way you live it. It would be impossible to say, Christ has transformed my life. I am now in the light, but to continue to walk in the darkness. It just can't happen. You see, we are the light, but only when we're in the Lord. We're not the light outside of Him. And if we are the light, let me ask you this this morning. Is your light shining? Because when His light shines... It changes everything. You know, and we need to change our way of thinking. It's not this little light of mine, this small little light. It's this great big old light of God. If we are the light, let's act like the light. Let's bring goodness and righteousness and truth to our community, to our neighbors, to the people around us, and drive out the darkness And listen, we can do that in our homes, in our communities, in our country, in our state, in our world. But it all starts with our neighbors. So this morning as we wrap up our time together, wherever you're at, make make your place an altar. What is God calling us to do? To be the light. He has called, actually, He has called us the light. That light comes from the righteousness of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. This morning, this might be something we need to hear more than anything else because many people are at home and they're alone and they're struggling and they they don't know where they're going to get their next meal from. They don't know where their next paycheck's going to come from. They just don't know. Maybe this is for you.
Because in all of this, God has called us the light. And maybe you know somebody who's like that today. Can you be the light to them? I can tell you this, as pastor of this church, this is what I want for us. This is what I want for this church. This is what I want for myself. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, we are crying out to you, asking that you would help us to be the light. God, we want to be the light this morning that you have called us to do. The song we're going to sing in a moment, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you're with me. It's your light that guides me. Help me, God, to light the way for others, to be the light you've called me to be, to live a spirit-filled, spirit-sourced life that shines the light. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song. This is going to be our closing. I just encourage you there. Just pray. Seek God. Have this time of communion with Him. Think about what Jesus did on Palm Sunday as He led into this Easter time. And, and we have an opportunity to be the light. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come in you, to be the light, to make you the light so you can be the light for others? Make that your prayer this morning as we sing this song. God bless you guys. Hope to see you back again for our Holy Week service Wednesday night, 630.
Yeah.